0: Thank you, choir and worship team. That was wonderful. It is well with my soul. God has been faithful. And uh, we are going to be looking at the faithfulness of God this morning from the most famous prayer event in the life of Jesus, I would say, which is the Garden of Gethsemane. I've been going through the series, Pray Like Jesus. And we've been looking at various prayer events and prayers in the life of Jesus. And today we come to this one of greatest emotion and passion, which happens in the Garden of Gethsemane. I'm going to be in Luke chapter 22, verse 39. We're going to be talking about the Mount of Olives in this passage. And I have been there walking down the Mount of Olives into the Kidron Valley, Then up the slope to the old city of Jerusalem and somewhere down there in that Kidron Valley on the slopes of the Mount of Olives was the Garden of Eden. Of course, our guide in Israel knew exactly where the garden was, as they all do in different places. But I stood in a place where there were outcroppings of rock and ancient olive trees and prayed in that spot where Jesus might have prayed, somewhere close to that. This prayer event in the life of Jesus has him lying down, and often he is pictured on a rock praying to the Father above. And the scripture says in Luke chapter 22, verse 39, Jesus went as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not enter into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him, and being in anguish, he prayed, more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Jesus actually uses this phrase, twice in this passage, and I think three times in another of the parallel passages, pray that you will not fall into temptation. Sometimes when extreme circumstances beset us, it disrupts everything about us. It can disrupt our prayer life where we don't feel like praying. It can disrupt our emotional life where we don't act like ourselves. It can disrupt our sleep patterns where we're not sleeping like we used to and need to. It disrupts the habits and routines of life to have something come upon you and beset you that is extreme in nature, like the loss of a loved one or the diagnosis that you yourself have a terminal illness. I think all of us can think back on our lives and remember a time when we feel like we were in extreme circumstances. I know today some of you feel that same way. You feel in extreme circumstances. There may not be another soul on earth that knows this is how you feel but you feel it. You feel it deeply. It is very real to you, and it is, in fact, disrupting your life. Now, Jesus says to these disciples who are facing the greatest test of their lives as he is facing the greatest test of his life, pray that you will not enter into temptation. Jesus is concerned about temptation at this extreme time in the lives of his disciples and his followers. And there are unique temptations in extreme situations. One of them is this. A situation comes upon you where you feel anguish like Jesus felt it here. And maybe you don't sweat, as it were, great drops of blood, which is the description of the Gospels about the agony of Jesus. But you have never cried so hard or felt pain so deeply as you feel it in this time. There is the temptation that you will feel isolated and alone. That you will be under the impression That because you cannot share with another human being all that is troubling your heart, that you are alone in your agony. And you are alone in your pain. And the enemy loves to trick you into feeling this way. He wants you to feel isolated because he knows if you feel isolated and alone, then you are more vulnerable to his temptation. Jesus is saying to these disciples, pray that you will not enter into temptation. What temptation is this? The temptation maybe as they come to arrest him. Maybe as he goes through his trial and as he is hanging on the cross, the temptation to feel suddenly, I'm all alone in this. Nobody knows what I'm going through. And maybe that's what you're feeling today. And you truly feel alone. Maybe you've never felt so alone in all your life. And the temptation that has come upon you, that's given you agony of soul and disrupts your sleep and disturbs you more than anything that's ever come. This distress and this trouble that has come upon you. You cannot describe to another human being. And so, you feel isolated. I want you to know if you're in extreme circumstances if you are fighting an extreme spiritual battle in your heart that you are not alone King David a man after God's own heart went through extreme circumstances when he was young when they tried to kill him when he was old when his son betrayed him and he fled from the palace for his life David went through extreme circumstances, but he wrote the psalm that we cling to that is true, and maybe you need this psalm, okay? I told somebody this week, this is your psalm, and I want you not just to recite it, but to read it every day. The Lord is my shepherd, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. See, you need to say that. You need to say it out loud. You need to read it and internalize it. In the battle you're in, in the extreme circumstance you're in, you are not alone. You are with me. You are with me there's the temptation to feel isolated there's the temptation to feel despair think how much despair these disciples are dealing with as they come to arrest Jesus as he goes to his trial as he's crucified it's a crushing kind of circumstance that comes into their lives and despair is the opposite of faith despair is giving up And God doesn't want you giving up. Pray that you will not enter into temptation, may be in part. Pray that you will not despair, that you will not give up on the purposes and plan of God for your life in the midst of this trouble that's come upon you. There's the temptation to be afraid and to operate in fear and make decisions in fear and to be continually anxious because you're in a situation that you cannot explain to anybody and it is the toughest place in your life and you're experiencing tremendous pain or grief or sorrow. And it causes you fear. You're afraid for the future, afraid for those that you love. Maybe these disciples are being plagued by fear. Jesus says to them as they fall asleep in the garden from the sorrow they're experiencing, one of the writers says, pray that you will not enter into the temptation of fear, that you will not succumb to fear, that you will not succumb to paralyzing sorrow. Jesus describes his own condition as overwhelmed with sorrow, as being in anguish. The apostles Talk about him in this this trouble and distress that he is in. They describe him in this way. And sometimes sorrow comes upon you, and it is paralyzing. The fear is paralyzing. The distress is paralyzing. And it feels that you cannot move from this place where you're stuck. This extreme circumstances come into your life, and you, you cannot move forward. You're stuck right there that too is a temptation the temptation to be paralyzed to be flattened and all of a sudden immobilized emotionally and physically even by the thing that has come into your life pray in extreme circumstances that you will not enter into temptation that you will not succumb to these unique temptations that are part of the extremities of your life and realize the power perspective in extreme circumstances Jesus says not my will but thine be done there is a perspective here in the prayer of Jesus that every person battling trouble and heartache and temptation needs to remember. If you're going to walk where Jesus walked and follow in his steps, you need to see this prayer, hear this prayer, and internalize the perspective of this prayer, and I want to help you with that by going to another psalm, Psalm 139. It is a familiar psalm. We read it as beautiful poetry and use it for all kinds of purposes, but I wonder if it wasn't written, perhaps, when David was in an extreme circumstance, and I want you to hear it. Maybe as someone who is sorrowing over the loss of a loved one, or another extreme circumstance that has come into your life or maybe to imagine yourself in such a circumstance as you hear these words think about being in extreme circumstance you have searched me Lord and you know me you know when I sit down and when I rise you perceive my thoughts from afar You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. In this psalm, the psalmist is saying, Lord, you know. He says at the conclusion of this first paragraph, this knowledge is too great for me. It's too wonderful for me. I I can't comprehend it, this knowledge that you have, God. And part of the paralysis and temptation of the extreme circumstance of your life is that maybe you don't know what to do, and you don't understand all that has happened to you. You've been surprised by a situation that has come upon you, and the sorrow is striking you, and you don't know what to do. And here you confess the complete knowledge of the sovereign God. God knows God knows your situation beginning to end. There is great comfort for you in your extreme circumstance to pray, Lord, I know. I know that you know me. You know my going out and my coming in. You know my activities. You know my circumstances. You know my situation. You know my heart. Some of you, are afraid to say to God the temptation that grips your soul. You're afraid to put it into words. You don't want your ears to hear it. You don't want God to hear it. But if you'll start here, Lord, you know all my ways. All, all, all. You will not surprise God with anything you say to him in this extreme temptation in your life. He already knows. And there's great comfort right here. Pray this way so you won't enter into temptation. And say, Lord, you know all my ways. You know my comings and goings, everything that I've done. It is comprehensive, this knowledge of yours. It is a great comfort to confess that. To say it to God, to let your own hear, ears hear it. Look at the rest of this psalm. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. There's no place I can go. that You're not there, God. God is not only knowing everything, but he is everywhere. He is everywhere. He is with that loved one. That you are grieving over who is in a situation you cannot access. Somebody who's far away from you. God is with them. You're praying for them. You want something to happen in their life. God is there. And everywhere you go, God is there. So when you pray, there is comfort in praying. Lord, I know you understand it all. You know it all. And God, I know you are everywhere. No matter where I go, you are there. I can't go anywhere that you're not there he wraps up this psalm for you created my inmost being is this familiar to you you knit me together in my mother's womb he's talking to the providential God who made him I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. What this psalm does for the person in extreme circumstances, it's, it confesses, God, you know everything about me. God, you are everywhere I am and everywhere I go. And God, you made my inmost being, you can do anything. It is the knowledge, presence, and power of God that is the great comfort in the moment of life's extremities. And therefore, you can pray, not my will. Because my will is formed by insufficient knowledge and limited control and power. And I cannot be everywhere where maybe I want to be not my will but God your will be done it is the prayer of submission in extreme circumstances where in sorrow in pain in shock in grief I pray and say God I submit to your will and purpose I surrender unto you. Isn't there a submission and surrender in this beautiful prayer of Jesus? You say, not what I want. Father, but what you want. Mm, Amen. I saw two widows who had been married more than 60 years. One of them is my mother who's been widowed four and a half years and the other is Andrew's grandmother, my nephew's grandmother. And they have been married for a long, long time, and they both lost their spouses. And I wasn't sure how my mother was going to respond to it when Dad first died, because every time I called her, she was crying for months. Every time I called her, she was crying. But I saw her this last week, and she's just bright and beautiful and going on with life and traveling with the family. And Dorothy Tatum is doing the same thing after these years of marriage. I saw her, and she had a big smile on her face, and we wondered if they'd be able to get up and go after all that took place with them. And the truth is, they have not succumbed to the temptation to just give up, but instead they have gone on with life. There's a great temptation... To give up. And this prayer, not my will but thine be done, is a prayer that's packed with faith and confidence in the love and kindness of God toward you. Knowing that God wishes for you the very best. Knowing Knowing that he plans for you the best. You pray, your will, Lord, whatever it might be. I gathered the family outside the hospital room, and they told them, the doctors told them that their mother was going to die. This was some years ago, and I had been visiting with the lady, and she had lingered on and on, and the family had been so torn and praying for a miracle, not willing to accept the doctor's diagnosis and not willing to be at peace in any kind of way. They were so disturbed and so troubled. And the lady was laying in the room, and the doctor said again that there was no way for her to come back, and we'd been there for days. And finally, I gathered the family members, the grandchildren and grandchildren together in the, in the hallway of the hospital, and I said, "Why don't we pray together, and let's just give your mother to God. Let's just give her to God. Are you willing to do that? You believe God loves your mother, your grandmother? Yes, We believe God loves our grandmother. Are you willing to give her to God? God loves her more than we ever could are you willing just to give her to God and just say God she's yours and they all said they would so we gathered in prayer in a circle outside the hospital room and we prayed and said Lord we give this loved one to you and there was a great sense of release as we prayed in that circle and I remember vividly how the the anxiety and all of the fierce emotions began to ebb and people reached a calmness of heart and spirit as we prayed outside the hospital room and when we got done praying raised our heads I walked inside the room and their mother had died while we prayed. just that quick she went to heaven she knew Jesus as Savior And as soon as the family said, Lord, she's yours, he whisked her off to heaven. (laughs) It doesn't always happen that way. We don't want our loved ones to die even when they are aged and in pain. We want them somehow to experience a miracle and stay with us. But part of what we pray in extreme circumstances when we are losing somebody we really love and the doctors say there is no hope and they've lived this long life We say, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. You know better than I what the future holds. And so we commit her to you and him to you. And in that moment, there's a beautiful sense of surrender that Jesus models in Gethsemane. And then God moves. I've been there so often, I've wondered sometimes if God wasn't just waiting for the family to find some place of peace before that loved one died. It's a powerful perspective in the moment of extremity to confess, God, you know everything much more than me. Lord, you are everywhere, though I cannot be. Lord, you can do anything. And I surrender this circumstance, this person, unto you. There is a prescription that Jesus gives at the end of this passage which also is powerful. It is the power prescription for extreme circumstances. He says at the end of the passage to the disciples who were sleeping, he says to them, get up and pray. Why are you sleeping? Get up and pray. They're overcome with sorrow and so they keep falling asleep. One of the gospel writers says the sleep is is caused by the sorrow. They just sleep. Some people do that, you know, when they're in sorrow. They just sleep and sleep and they won't get out of bed. Well, I have often read, you know, get on your knees and pray. Bow your head and pray. Be still and know that I am God. But I hadn't quite been struck by the words of Jesus, get up and pray so that you will not enter into temptation. There is a temptation to rush through life without thinking about God, without stopping to pray. We all do it. Sometimes we are in such a hurry, we move through situations and circumstances and make decisions, and we get to the end of the day and think, why didn't I pray about that? Why didn't I commit that to the Lord? That happens to us. And there's another opposite side to that, where we feel flattened by our sorrow and crushed by our pain and our grief is so deep we are immobilized and paralyzed and we feel like we do not want out want to get out of bed and we don't want to go on with life feels like we cannot live anymore so extreme has the circumstance been so difficult the journey so bad the news so deep the sorrow we don't want to go on and that's when the word of god is to us get up Don't stop praying when you get up. Don't stop trusting me. Don't stop talking to me. Get up and pray. Get up and pray. You can pray in motion. Amen? Everybody know how to do that? Everybody knows how to pray in motion? You can pray when you're driving. You can pray when you're walking. You can pray when you're jogging. You can pray as you go to work, as you go to school, as you walk down the hall. You can pray. You can pray, though nobody else knows you're praying, but you and God, you can pray. God said, Jesus said to the disciples, get up and pray so you will not enter into temptation. I wonder if he's addressing that temptation that pulls me out and sidelines me in the game of life because I feel like I'm a failure or I feel like I cannot go on or I feel like this temptation has crushed me whatever it is and so I'm just gonna step back I'm gonna step out of the game of life I'm gonna quit playing I'm gonna quit participating I'm withdrawing see that would be a temptation in extreme circumstances Addressed by the words of Jesus, get up and pray. Pray as you go. Get yourself in motion. Do not be the victim of your crippling emotions at this moment in your life. Choose instead the victory over the sorrow that seeks to crush you. By turning to the God who loves you. And getting up even though it doesn't feel like you want to. Even though you'd rather sleep on this ground till it's all over. You'd rather stay prone right here somehow. But the word of God is get up and pray. It's interesting how many times Jesus said get up to people. Get up, take your mat and go home. Sometimes that's the answer we need to hear in our sorrow, in our pain, and our extreme circumstance, get up. Get up, Mary. Get up, John. You've been down long enough. David lost a baby. Is anything harder than that? The baby was born terminally ill with a chronic illness we do not know. The baby lived for a week. And while that baby was alive, David laid in his room on the floor and he prayed and he would not eat and he wouldn't let anybody attend to him. He just laid there. People were afraid to even talk to him. They whispered around him as he laid for seven days in the middle of the floor. And then he heard the whispers of the servants and he said, Has the child died? And they said, Yes, and David the king got up, went and took a bath, put on clean clothes, went to the table and ordered breakfast, and the servant said, what is this? We thought if we told you the child had died that you would just be dead yourself. How is it that you're now up and going? He says, while that child was alive, I prayed and prayed, hoping that God would spare him. That's how we pray. We come to God, we say, Lord, I want the child to live. I want the child to live. But in the midst of us expressing the honest condition of our heart and the request of our heart, we're also saying, I want that child to live, not my will, but thy will be done. God, I'm going to be okay however this goes, whichever direction it goes. I'm going to be all right, but I want the child to live. The child died. And David, who knew he never walked through a valley of death, but God wasn't with him, grabbed the Father in heaven's hand, and he stood up. He stood up this moment in his life. And he said... He cannot come back to me, but one day I will go to him. And he went on living. (laughs) There's an answer in somebody's life for the sorrow that has gripped your soul when you hear Jesus say to the disciples who are facing the worst hours they'll ever live through, get up and pray so you won't enter into temptation let's bow our heads father we've walked through that valley you walked with us every time sometimes we are aware sometimes not but you never leave us or forsake us thank you for your faithfulness in the dark and troubled times of life when temptation rolls upon us and life seems beyond our ability to control or even understand Thank you that you're the all-knowing, all-present, all-powerful Lord of glory. I pray for my brother or sister in this room who needs to grip your hand now and get up from the place where life has knocked them, where sorrow has flattened them, as pain has isolated them. Lord, that you will grip their hand And help them get up and pray. And Lord, that all of us will know and understand to pray thy will be done is to ask for the highest and best and greatest plan and purpose of God for me. Thank you, Lord. Your loving kindness is better than life.